heard there was a trailer from the 1974 movie Groove Tube, which uh, at the time was one of the highest grossing independent films uh, of of that era. And of course, you have tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. I, of course, am Harmon Leon, and with me as always, Scott Kalanico. Scott, how are you? I'm grooving, uh, Harmon. Tube grooving. Grooving and tubing? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in 1974, you know know how they would describe the movie, uh, the type of humor in the movie Groove Tube? Uh, No, Harmon, tell me. It it would be the edgy (laughs) comedy. The edgy comedy. It's counterculture. It's the counterculture thing. And so, what... What was your first of all? What's your what's your initial take on the first viewing of uh, Groove Tube? Because I think maybe we share the same sort of uh, Rotten Tomato rating of the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I remember seeing it. You know, back when you know when cable first kind of came out, and and this was you know mm-hmm. that was probably seventy nine or eighty or so. And this is one of the movies that you could kind of see on cable um, back in the day. So it was kind of like the comedy. Staple. So I remember watching it as a kid. So it was interesting mm-hmm. to go back and rewatch the film and kind of compare that to uh, some of my memories and uh, what was funny and what wasn't. When you watched it as a kid, did you think it was the edgy yeah. I mean, comedy? Kid, and that was also, you know, <laughs> um, when Saturday Night Live was still pretty new. So it was all pretty, the whole thing was pretty edgy, you know. Yeah, and that's a good point because this is a part of a series of three uh, podcasts we're doing on the road to Saturday Night Live of, you know, kind of the movies that influenced what later became, uh, you know, the first season of Saturday Night Live because the group tube, well, in the billing it says it stars Chevy Chase, but in reality uh, he's just a bit player in it. But I think they were just capitalizing on his success of Saturday Night Live, which came out in 1975. This movie came out in 1974. So I think for like it's like VHS tape Mm -hmm. release, they put like Chevy Chase was the star when he's pretty much, I don't know, is he pretty much just only like in one scene? I'm looking over a four-leaf clover that I overlooked before. He's in a couple. He's in like two different scenes and his fingers his fingers are in a scene. Yeah, his fingers hump other yeah, fingers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so again, it's it, to me, uh my take on it was uh whoa, that movie didn't date well. <laughs> no, that was that was my very first thing. It was like this is not um entertaining. You know, we, I think we both kind of had similar trouble in actually trying to finish it. 
I believe, I believe uh, my, 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 uh, my message to you was um, the amount of times it made me laugh equals zero. Yeah, was, um, some of these other movies in the series, I actually kind of laughed at some of the other ones. But this one, there was not much. No, same here. There I was nothing I really. But, but very interesting. The more I dug into the history of, of Grutu, the, the more I have a, a newfound uh, respect of, of, of its origins, how it came about. And, and, and first of all, you just have to look at the era. It was 1974. I think they started filming the movie in 1972. Besides, uh, it was written and produced by a man named Ken Shapiro. Do you know his other creds? Yeah, we, oh, here's an interesting thing. He was a child actor on the Milton Berle show. Yeah, he was kind of... Um, and apparently, he. I was reading something else. Apparently, his... Um, his grandfather had done pretty well. His grandfather was the person who kind of helped stake him to the um, Channel One Theater in New York. But he also he went on. Ken went on to kind of uh, work with uh, Chevy Chase again in the film Modern Problems uh, from nineteen. 19- yeah, was he was he the director of yeah, Modern yeah, Problems was or was he the writer of it? He, he was the director. I think he co-wrote it as well. But you know, mm-hmm. basically the two films were uh, the Groove Tube and then Modern Problems. Yeah, and then he was a ch- yeah. That's what I read. His his grandfather was really wealthy yeah. and bought him, uh, uh, you know, a, a nineteen seventy two or it was probably earlier, like in the sixties. Because we'll dive into the history of how the groove came about, which actually started in the sixties. Um, you know, kind of like an early video camera. So that was bought. His grandfather bought it for him. So he, that's kind of what got him into uh, you know starting to make videos which eventually led to the movie the groove too. right yeah i mean the 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 movie is basically like a, a best a best of like a collection of some of their best skits that they went back and then filmed in 35 millimeter which which i actually think that like you said the whole thing is it's kind of, it was a, a a phenomenon at the time because what they would do is they they would license it out they would so basically you'd have a theater and then they would like there wasn't anything live it was all people watching stuff on tv they would have different rooms where you could sit on couches and stuff. And then what they did is they started um, licensing this out to colleges, which is actually pretty smart when you think about it, because they wouldn't have to go there. All they would franchise. Yeah, all they would have to do is yeah. have a you know TV with a with a video equipment, which you know back then colleges would have that stuff. And then um, that was it. Yeah. So just to back up a bit, it's like it started as is called the Channel One Theater, which started. Uh, in the Lower East Side, I believe 62 East uh, 4th Street, which is really ironic because I run a monthly show right down, a couple doors down from where the theater was. So, like, I've seen that theater a zillion times. And and so from what I read from the reviews was they would have three different uh, video monitors or TV screens or whatever um, set up in the theater. And you would just, it would be kind of like an immersion theater experience where, you know, you would just watch these, kind of like an art project in a Mm -hmm. way. You know, you would just watch these kind of trailers or for, for, uh, you know, fictional TV shows. Yeah, yeah, they'd watch trailers and then they had, you know, news parodies and... Children's TV show parodies and all all that stuff. Yeah, tons of commercials. And again, we're talking about the road to Saturday Night Live, which, you know, all that became a uh, staple for Saturday Night Live. Um, And according, you know, 
rightfully so, because, you know, Chevy Chase was a performer slash writer for the Channel One Theater and also uh, appeared in uh, Groove 2. But I think you, what you have to do is really kind of the sense of humor. And and in this series of podcasts, we're going to cover uh, uh, movies similar to this, like Tunnel Vision, which also had Chevy Chase in it, and Kentucky Fried Movie, which was uh, directed by John Landis and the Zucker Brothers uh, wrote it was um, this was like the first generation that like grew up on uh, television. So um, like one review called it, you know, the howdy duty generation, you know, gets their own theater show or right. something like that. So it was like kind of post hippie, post Watergate, you know, the coming of comedians who are coming of age out of the, the, the TV generation, the first generation to actually have grown up on uh you know, watching television. Yeah, I mean, I think I think of because a lot of these reviews refer to refer to it as an off Broadway show, and I think I think it's losing the the charm or probably the the setting of it is when you're watching it, you know, on TV. You're like a badly dubbed uh, copy off YouTube. It's not quite the same thing, you know, when you were sitting in a room full of people watching this on a black and white TV. Uh, apparently, in some of the theaters, they would have fridges, you know, refrigerators set up so you could get, get munchies. So it was like you were pretending like you were watching a real TV channel, you know, and I think that loses it because that, that's what they talk about in those reviews. Like you were going on about the mm-hmm. reviews. Do you want to rev- read any of the, uh, the, some of the quotes from those? Now, t- now hippies can tune in, turn on their own TV. Yeah, was that well, that, that kind like of stuff? Quotes? But like you know, but like, even the like, New York Times was raving about it, and San Francisco Chronicles raving about it, and um, yeah, it's just kind of weird reading those reviews, and then when you watch, <laughs> when then you watch, when you watch the movie, you're like, okay, this isn't quite the same thing. Yeah, but again, that's why it hasn't aged well. You know, again, it's like back. I mean, if you think about, like, the humor of the 60s, this is, like, very uh, humor of the 70s. Uh, like, like the 60s, you know, the big shows were, like, Laughing and Smothers Brothers and uh, Monty Python. But those shows didn't really parody the medium. Yeah, well... I mean, don't you agree? I, I, I do, but I, I think, what, you know, of course, they didn't know this, and I would just say watching all of these in succession is just, like... But it's also like a bad comedian as well. It's like, dude, you can't like, don't. Yeah, you you go up and you make a joke about a commercial that everybody will get. Yeah, you're gonna get a big laugh, <laughs> and and it'll be popular for about a year or two until everybody forgets that commercial that you're referencing. Yeah. So. If you if you're gonna make a joke out of a commercial or something like that, you're gonna you, it's just gonna get lost after a while, and which is I think what's going yeah, on. A lot, a yeah, yeah. Sorry, this. go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I think that's what's going on a lot in the groove tube. Like for example, that um, there's that one commercial, like the first kind of commercial parody that was in there was like for the. I don't even know. What the, I think the joke was that it was mouthwash and toothpaste in one. Mm-hmm. You remember that one? Uh, in from the groove yeah. tube, <laughs> that's the one we're talking about. Now. Yeah, yeah, I just watched it two nights yeah, ago. You, I mean, but some of it I kind of tuned do you, out. A but bit. do you remember? But yeah, that? I, I think I do. And then there's some couple making out yeah, I mean, or something. But it's just like I don't know what the funny part of. It. I mean, I guess maybe their their joke was that you would actually have mouthwash and toothpaste together in one. 
Now, for the first time, toothpaste and mouthwash together in Mouth Appeal, the first mouthwash toothpaste that also removes superficial tobacco and food stains to make your teeth look whiter, plus mouthwash for fresher breath. If you want to get closer, kissably closer, get Mouth Appeal, the toothpaste that gets you closer. Well, maybe it was like a specific commercial of the day that they were... uh uh, parroting maybe it's just lost in <laughs> I time mean, I, but know? i mean even on the other and that's like the, that's the the, the the thing about doing pop culture references in your comedy yeah. it's not going to date well no, well i mean there the reference is lost there are other there's a commercial where basically Chevy Chase is on there and he's he's lip syncing to a real commercial of the day which again here's another thing that's lost so um, in the reviews, they actually mentioned that, but like none of them mentioned that this mouthwash thing was based on a real commercial. And I just, I, it was just like, w- w- what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, I, and again, I think it was part of the theater experience because yeah. I, I mean, it's not like when I started reading like the movie, I go, God, that didn't date well. I, I guess that's what they laughed at back in the day. But then when I read about the theater show, I go, oh, that seems kind of cool, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that seemed really cool. And you're like, okay, I can understand why it was popular and stuff. And then, like I said, I think, I think that loses some of it when they use, then they go out and they film it in this nice 35 millimeter. And then, you know, then it's like that, the, the mm-hmm. Coco the Clown, which I, I, I could imagine that being funny, you know, especially like if you'd never seen anything like that. Remember the clown? There's a there's a bit in there where it's a clown. Yeah. Yeah, and like kind of based on the old soupy sales thing where he's like, oh, go into your parents' wallets and send me all that paper. You know, something like this where the clown, for the, those of us you haven't seen the show, the clown's going, send all your... your- what, what, you know what? That's the beauty of drop-in clip okay, here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boys and girls, I hope you enjoyed singing that song as much as I did. <laughs> and after work out like that, Coco feels real tired. And you know what I need for quick energy, don't you, boys and girls? That's right. I need my milk. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a reference to that. And then, okay, I can see how that that could be kind of funny, but I think it loses it when you're watching it on this 35-millimeter, you know, nicely filmed thing, as opposed to, like, seeing that on a TV, which I think would be... But was it nicely filmed? It looked pretty low budget. Well, I mean, dude, I mean the budget for the movie was 35... Uh, 135000 No, it's $350,000. They, they shot it in thirty five. I read a couple of things that they shot it in 30, Which is, you know, that's what professional movies are shot on. Um, and some of it, look, probably maybe not the stuff that they did, like, for the uh-huh. dealers when they had to do stuff in the car and things like that. But I, I remember reading somewhere that was shot in thirty five, the Coco the Clown parts. And it was just like, I just I don't think that thing that kind of loses it. Yeah, so you just had to have that layer over it yeah. of, you know, not gloss to kind of add to the, the humor. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like the other one, like, while we're on, I mean, that whole first thing, that first skit, the first long skit, the dealers, about the two drug dealers, mm-hmm. that was just like... Yeah, yeah, so what, well, first, just to back yeah. up a bit, um, the, the, the dealers, um, it's it starred... Uh, it, I don't know. Have we mentioned that Richard Belzer was part yes, of comedian, this? Comedian, fame comedian Richard Belzer is like what was his break breakthrough role, role, more or less. Yeah, and he actually became part of the theater group by answering an ad in the Village Voice. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. 
Yeah, so he wasn't like, this wasn't like a buddy. He just simply saw an ad and auditioned for okay. it, which is kind of, you know, that's how it happens. And, and this pretty much, you know, I mean, he was a stand-up at the time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, it, you know, it, it helped to launch his career. Yeah, exactly. Yep, didn't hurt. Yeah, it didn't hurt. And then I tried to find out how Chevy Chase got involved, but, you know, maybe it was just the same. He answered, you know, an ad or I'm not sure if he was friends with Ken Shapiro. And the weird part is, like, none of the reviews of the show, the live show, even mention Chevy no, Chase. No, uh-uh, they don't. No, that's all they talk about to Ken and then the, the co-writer of the show. Um, uh, what was his name? Um, uh, oh, Lane Lane, Lane Sorensen, yeah. Yeah, what, what, let's check out his background. Last thing he wrote was not necessarily the election. Okay, all right. Well, per, uh, not necessarily the news. Apparently, I was reading. Um, oh, he was. He worked on the Chevy Chase show. Yeah, and um, nineteen seventy-seven special. Oh wow! And apparently, uh, Ken yeah. Shapiro, the director, uh, would write for the Oscars a lot. Apparently, I was reading some of these comments. Yeah, yeah. So you know. They, a lot of people went on to do other things. In fact, another nod to Saturday Night Live was there was a news segment, and uh, the news segment it was like kind of a news satire that ended with the signature line "Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow," which was later used by Chevy Chase on Weekend Update yep. on Saturday Night yep. Live, which became like his signature, you know, sign off. And that's the way it is, was, and will be. And this is Robert Elgin for Channel One News, hoping that your news is good news. Good night, and have a pleasant tomorrow. No matter what the news may be, this time or any time, until next time, have a good time all the time. Yeah, what's, what's interesting is that in between all... Between this one and then the other two that we'll talk about, uh, Tunnel Vision and also um, Kentucky Fried Movie, they all have uh, news parodies in them. Yeah, again, you know, these are all comedians coming of age, you know, out of the the TV generation. And, you know, again, it's like kind of a signature of 70s comedy, which, you know, if we look at, you know, what's coming up now, you know, uh, comedians like raised the smartphone generation mm-hmm. what what is that comedy going to be like yeah, after when, <laughs> you know when when all you know is just you've always had a smartphone yeah <laughs> and we're just beaming bits into each other's heads well, we'll be making jokes about smartphones yeah so you know a lot of tinder jokes yeah. like you already hear <laughs> you know that sort of thing like oh swipe, swipe left, left. <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so again this the the group tube though was was the feature film debut of both chevy chase and richard belzer all right yeah that's good apparently he did a sequel <laughs> later on the groove tube too but i don't know if that was a show or a um um, that was a live yeah. show. So I read a review about that. It, it it played up in Harvard, and I think they had a different format. I think it was like yeah, they like the theater would be sort of like a living room. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, I think maybe similar. Or you might have moved to different rooms to see like uh, you know the different bits. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, you had to put you had to put yourself into the mindset of back in the day. Um, one of uh, the other little trivia bits we, that we missed was the. Uh, do you remember the, the hitchhiker? The film opens with a hitchhiker um, catching a ride with a beautiful woman, and then the woman 
Yeah, yeah. So let's we can go through some of yeah. these guys. Go ahead, tell them about well, that. Well, it's bit. just the, the the woman entices him and then leads him on a chase through the woods, uh, leading to a uh, conclusion where he runs afoul of the law. But the the person who appears as a as the hitchhiker is a gentleman by the name of Buzzy Linhart, who actually was uh, one of Bette Midler's songwriters. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. okay. So there might have been uh, the comedy connection is Bette Midler would. Uh, at, when Bud Freeman, as as we know from the, our comedy history episode on the improv, would play piano at Bud Freeman's improv, so maybe there was like some sort of connection, you know, through that. Yeah, I'm sure. The, I'm sure it was all, you know, that was back in the day, so late '60s, early '70s, when New York, Manhattan's all run down. It was easy to get a theater in the in the village. Yeah, yeah, in the village, uh, what cafe weirdo yeah, or whatever. Just, <laughs> what was that from? Uh, uh, mean Streets yeah, then, or something? Cafe Bizarro. Yeah, and then hanging out with the Ramones <laughs> and CBGBs. And- no, this is pre-Ramones, so this is like like the I think the group to the or the stage show started in the late 60s. maybe like nineteen sixty eight, sixty nine, and then they started filming this seventy two. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ramones to be yeah, Ramones. Well, they were you know they were rehearsing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so let's so someone let's talk about some of the edgy bits. So I think one of them. So the movie originally got an X. Keep moving. It actually originally got an X rating. Yeah, I'm, rated I'm X. Wonder, I'm wondering if we saw if the the clip that we saw was the X or was it? Yeah, because then they were later released when Kentucky Fried Movie came out in 1977. Uh, they released it, re-released it as a double bill and re-edited it down to a PG mm-hmm. sort of uh, format. But there's one is a public service announcement warning about uh, venereal disease. And there's like a long shot and you think it's like a talking puppet, but it's actually a penis dressed up in people clothes. And now, a message from your Department of Health. Hello, my name is Safety Sam, and I'm here to spread the word about a health problem of great importance to us all. Did you know that VD, venereal disease, has reached epidemic proportions in our city? Well, you should know the facts about this public menace in order to protect yourself and those you love. Yeah, it was kind of hard to figure out that it was a penis for a long time. Yeah, so that might have helped the X-ray. Yeah, okay, that was, pro- that was probably it, yeah. Yeah, and then this, and along with Tunnel Vision, there's, there's, they both par- parody like evil corporations. Yeah, that is that that was interesting <laughs> was, uh, about that. In uh, in this, it was the oh same, same even in Kentucky Fried Movie they did yeah. that. That was like the opening. Yeah, there's bit another one. Kentucky yeah, Fried that was movie. there's that one. So this one's Uranus, and then I I can't remember the other. Yeah, that was that was interesting how they they kind of they go into that. Um, yeah, I mean, I just like to talk about the dealer sketch because that was, I mean, like the oh, the, re- the rest of it was, was I think even now, you could, okay, it was it was you know because things were like you know pretty quick, like even the um, I liked the the, the cooking show uh, takeoff where they were making um, the heritage loaf that was you know mildly amusing. Welcome to the Cramp TV Kitchen. Tonight we are featuring a festive holiday dish which is a traditional favorite in Newark and sure to delight your entire family. Fourth of July, Heritage Loaf. Begin by coating the inside of a large, shallow casserole dish with Cramp Easy Lou brand vegetable shortening and place in your refrigerator to cool. Yeah, I mean, for that, it was... 
I see that like as a stage, something would be funny yeah. on stage, but like the on film, it just didn't. It was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was. They're just making things bad. Yeah, again, it was just it was too long. It was too long. But that that dealers, I think, takes the cake. Where it was the intro. A lot of people. It's, so basically, if you'll insert clip here, if you'll drop in the clip of the dealers. It's like a, it's yeah, like nineteen. Like the whole clip because that goes no, on for like no, about please, twenty-five please minutes. Not the whole clip. That's what first made me yeah. fall asleep the first time I watched but, you it. Know, <laughs> it's kind of okay for a couple minutes, and then it's just like, what, what, what the hell is this? Yeah, um, I don't know. It was kind of like a Cheech and Chong type. Like I think it's just like. Um, you know, it's the '70s, but, and, and like our audience is all stoned, know, but so they're going to be like, but, you know, I mean, you brought up how counterculture you brought up Cheech and Chong, which is a, the great example because that is still funny though, because it's like kind of that classic, you know, to reference our other episodes about the straight band. You know, that's a classic, you mm-hmm. know, uh, straight guy, you know, funny guy combination. You know, so yeah. that's, they're still funny. You know, when you, when you watch right. it, you know, even though it's, they have a lot of drug humor in there. But, I mean, this is just not. <laughs> yeah, I don't even, it's so, I just don't, it's kind of forgettable. Other than I, I remember it just went on way too long. They, yeah, they. And they had to eat a lot of yeah, weed. Yeah, that was it. This like they, <laughs> they stole weed from someone and then people stole it back and then they thought the, another classic bit all the way up through, um. Um, super troopers, where it's like the guys think the cops are after them, so they eat all the the drugs. Yeah, that's a good yeah. bit, and maybe that was like even a homage to this. Yeah, I mean, but that, but then it just never kind of went anywhere, and just wasn't. I mean, the cool they had a cool little bit of animation in there. I really did like the animation. Yeah, that was kind of around the time of. Uh, that animated movie, Heavy Metal. And I, was, I wrote down the note, looks like Yellow Submarine. Yeah, it totally, it was totally going for that old <laughs> Yellow Submarine kind of look, yeah. And that was, who was that, Peter Max? Well, it was kind of Peter Max influence. I think it was all kind of a rip-off, you know. Heavy Metal actually didn't come mm-hmm. until, I think it was 82. So that's, you know, you're talking about 10 years after this. Oh right, yeah, but it, but Heavy Metal first started as as a magazine. Yeah, as, I think it was as the magazine published yeah. by the same publishers as National Lampoon, maybe, possibly. I don't know. Write us, write us a letter. Yeah, if we're, if we're wrong, if we're wrong. <laughs> we we should do another and, and, and subscribe on and iTunes. And we'll have a whole whole episode about uh, Heavy Metal magazine. Yeah, there you go. So, any other takeaways on? Uh, um, uh, uh, the history of GrooveTube and Channel One Theater? Uh, no, I mean, I think it was, I would have liked to have seen the stage show and I would have liked to have seen less of the GrooveTube. I mean, like, it, I don't think it holds up well. <laughs> and I think, um, I think you kind of, we kind of are both in agreement on that. Yeah, so my takeaway, again, I think, you know, I could totally see how this led to, you know, the humor. Of Saturday Night Live, not only because uh, in style, but also, you know, it kind of like nurtured, uh, you know, a young Chevy Chase in both performance and uh, writing for the show. So and also Richard Belzer. So, you know, it, it has that place in comedy history. It's just didn't date too well, because, again, it's like it's not 
post-Vietnam and, and post-Watergate and post-Hippie, you know, it's not all those facts. And it's not the first generation to, you know, grow up on TV where, where you know, TV was considered the idiot box mm-hmm. where, you know, I haven't even had a TV since 2011. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, and it's different, you know, we're not bombarded with commercials because, you know, we watch for the most part, you know, things, you know, off the internet. And there's no commercials, so um, you know. I think you know back in the day when there was only like three networks, you know, there was just you're limited. Everyone was watching the same thing, right, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that, that same uh, thing. People were echoing, you know, and like you said, it was people who grew up with the medium reflecting back on on what they'd learned. So yeah, I mean, it's an interesting little time capsule that I don't think holds up well. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, you know, it's the first generation to actually, you know, comment on the medium. Uh, I mean, it's like there was, you know, there was TV and commercial parodies, you know, even in like Monty Python, Mm -hmm. you know, somewhat. But it didn't become the whole centerpiece of what they were doing, where like Saturday Live was largely, you know, a large part of that was, you know, parodying TV shows and commercials yeah i mean it's a lot of the same it's 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 talk shows it's yeah it's talk shows it's game shows it's you know news it's yeah there's a lot there's a lot in common there and with that i think we conclude the history of the groove tube a which you know what that means scott uh the groove tube no no it means since we wrapped up the topic of today's episode uh it means it's that it's time to plug away scott what what do you have to plug oh well Harmon, um not much really uh well of course there's always much uh, and that is um uh the new episodes of this uh this is the present going up at um wordsoverchair.com and also at itunes google play last fm wherever you find your favorite podcast we're actually uh doing these once a week now so Stop by, listen to me and Harmon uh, go on about the uh, current political situation, and we'll have plenty to say about the midterms. So, tune in. Tune in. Tune drop, out. Drop the drop tube, out. <laughs> yeah, and what I have to plug away actually ties into uh, the Channel One Theater, which uh, um, you know became uh, the, the stomping ground of Groove Tube. Uh, week from Thursday on November fifteenth. I'm having my regular monthly show, Tale Storytelling, which is actually our six-year anniversary, and it takes place just a few doors down for where for where the Channel One Theater um, actually uh, put on their shows. So stop on down uh, to Tale Show. And before we go, we actually have some uh, listener mail. <laughs> is this the right place to drop yeah. it in? Should it sure. come earlier? No, no, this is fine. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so we have a one Kevin Mayer um, uh, who who had a comment about our last episode on Tune On. He says, listening to your podcast about Turn On, Turn on. I wonder if ABC Wednesday Night Movie that aired and was supposedly terrible was the Oscar. Harlan Ellison wrote the script and it tanked his screenwriting career. 
Well, Kevin, to answer your question, yes, it was. <laughs> and yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for writing in. And if you want to write in and be like Kevin and have your comment read on the air, um, be sure to do so at our website, wordsoverchair.com, where you can find all the episodes of Comedy History 101. Uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment. It doesn't hurt. And with that, thanks a lot for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with the history of Tunnel Vision, which came out in, I believe, 1976, which is also a predecessor to really influencing early Saturday Night Live. And with that, thanks a lot, and bye-bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. The good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.